The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Hi and welcome to episode 55 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Uh, as usual, I'm Jack. This time I've actually woke up, unlike yesterday when we were meant to record this, and I'm joined from Portland by KC. Yeah, the uh, the one-man episode that's that's now in the trash after yesterday, just it did not work out, did not have the segues. Now, the problem when you left your own devices to just talk for like an hour is it tends to get very ranty, and, you know, we're ranty enough as it is. I, I hate myself enough as it is. To be honest, I don't, you know, I don't need to, uh, don't need to listen to myself recorded for an hour as well. No, I mean, if you want to do something with yourself recorded for an hour, I believe that you go to RedTube. <laughs> I think it's now Pornhub Premium. Really, you're charging for that? You disgust me. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, there has been one game since we last recorded, but it was ages ago because of international break, but. So we won't go into it in massive detail. It's been dissected to death, and I think you can just sum it up as we pretty much battered Swansea and then got sucker punched at the end. Yeah, just, I, you know, we had about three chances to clear our lines and just didn't do it, and Wayne Routledge bobbled one into the corner. Yeah, it was the chances missed that were frustrating with this. Like, obviously Bamford had one re- really good chance, and Kettier had a really good chance. Alioski had a good chance early on. Cooper hit the bar with... To be honest, once he gets up and wins it, he'd think he should hit the target. Yeah. What do you uh, What do you make of this record that's kind of started to appear for Bamford, only scoring away? Yeah, it's a... I mean, there is, I think, less pressure on him away from home. Mm. But I don't necessarily think it's that. When you're this early into a season, it's a bit soon to worry about that, I think. I see. Having had two weeks to think about it, I think I've got it down. To a science now. A science, you say? <laughs> yeah. Just start Eddie at home. Uh, are, we, are you just fully on the fuck it, let's just play and get here? To be honest, I think given given the style we play, I just think, especially at home when defences are going to sit a little bit deeper, Bat and Bamford tends to drop off a little bit and he tends to be playing with you know, a back four and a couple of holding midfielders still in front of him, whereas Nketiah's going to play off the shoulder. And I don't know if that'll give us more chances, but it's something that I've, I've had a lot of time to think about anyway. Yeah, you have got, you do have time out there, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of time now. I have a lot of time. But yeah, just, it's just one of those things where, I, I you know, I know Bielsa never, you know, doesn't change a team unless he, he absolutely has to really. But it's just one of those things to think about. You know, whether and catch is better suited to playing at home where the defense is, like I say, can sit a little bit deeper and he can play off the shoulder and maybe try and find that little bit of space in behind that Bamford isn't going to do. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, it, it, it is worth a shot. I, as I said, I don't, I agree. I don't actually think he'll, I think if he changes anything, it'll be Costa coming in against Barnsley. But I don't, he might well change nothing. Mm-hmm. That being said, Bamford still has his. It's pretty much a goal every other game, isn't it? Oh yeah, his, re- his record's fine, but his record was good last year as well. Uh, when he yeah. actually played, <laughs> when he was fit, his record mm. was fine. Well, mm. we all watched that Brentford game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he wasn't good in that. Uh, I I don't remember what we predicted, to be honest, but I'm pretty sure neither of us said we'd lose, so you're still ahead by one point. The main thing coming out of that game is, are you worried about it? No. If, if I remember rightly, one of us went with 2-1 and one of us went with 1-0. Because I think we way. both said it was going to be tight. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not especially worried just yet. I think, although, you know, like we said, Bielsa's not going to make that many changes. There's still a number of options we've got when you've got Costa, when you've got Nketiah. Uh, we've got Tyler Roberts coming back, who's, you know, a different option to play at 10 as well. Yeah, and uh, Bielsa in his press conference today, I've I have had a quick glance through Twitter, because, uh, full disclosure, I've only just woke up, I've been on nights. Uh, that's why the podcast didn't happen yesterday, because I didn't wake up. Uh, but I had a quick glance through timeline, and apparently Tyler Roberts is available for Sunday. Whether he'll actually be involved, I mean, he'd be on the bench at most anyway, but whether he'll be involved or not, I don't know. Yeah. He also said Ailing will play in 23s next week. Which is it's good to have these players coming back, and I know like, the last time we said... That 
there's no there's no cause right now to to drop Stuart Dallas. No, he's been brilliant. But you know, again, it's good. It's 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 a good headache to have. I think is is how most managers would describe. I'm sure Bielsa would put it in a much more poetic way than that. But yeah, it's, it's not the worst problem to have when when Luke Ayling and and Tyler Roberts can't get into the team. Yeah, and Ayling especially gives us that other option at centre back. It's not something you thought you'd be saying when he first signed. No, it isn't. Um, well, I mean, that's really it for that game. There's not a great deal to say. Missed too many chances. Gave away a sloppy goal. Uh, but because of how long we've been away, there has been lots of news. Uh, the one, the first news, the one that I was really annoyed about, way more annoyed than I thought I would be, uh, them twats that have painted over Andy McVeigh's junction boxes that he's done. Yeah, it was just... The, the stupid thing that I, I really don't get about it, that the statement that was kind of released to... Uh, to the YEP. I'm just going to say now, before that happens, I don't think that statement is the same people. Okay. I think this statement is people on a wind-up. Because the way right. everything that they say just doesn't add up and it doesn't make any sense. Well, that was it, the idea that they're... Co- that that's, that's kind of what I was going to point to, was that they're, they're covering this stuff up and yet the idea was, you know, when people don't want this, it doesn't look nice, but then we're going to scrawl, paint over it, but not do a good job of it. We're just going to leave leave it really patchy and, and parts of it uncovered. Yeah, they've, and they've used that, like, sort of permanent sort of, you know, like, graffiti-proof paint. Yeah. And covered it up. And they said, oh, it's just because we're against graffiti, but they've only done it to the stuff with leads on it. They've done it to the Gary Speed box on Gary Speed's birthday. Yeah. You know, they, they, I'm not buying it. It's some, whether it's Man United fans or whatever club, it's, but that's what it is. There is absolutely no way that that statement is genuine. It's either them trying to cover their own ass, or it's some students on a wind up after it happened. Mm. I, I just like it, it. Honestly, wouldn't shock me if that statement is complete bollocks, and it is like someone doing a fucking dissertation on social media and stuff and going yeah. I this is what I did after I didn't do the actual act I did this after to prove the point <laughs> yeah because I know Graham Smith said that uh, he kind of went against the YEP which was brave you know having only been there a month like saying I don't think we should be giving these people the airtime if they're not willing to put the names to it yeah at least, I mean yeah I, I think he's right to be fair and it's you know it's easy to give yourself uh, you know come up with a quick group name and that's it just hide behind an email address but uh, you know it is sad because a lot you know a lot of time and effort's gone into those and they're, they're really nice you know i think as andy says just either covering up graffiti or brightening up these these junction boxes that are otherwise just very plain and, and dull all around ellen road you know it's 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 disappointing but at least you know it's been, it was nice to hear that the the club have have had him in to talk to him and try and uh, and try and get some more stuff done like that. Yeah, well, uh, there was that fundraiser for it as well, and I, I've bunged twenty quid in for us. Oh, lovely stuff! Uh, but the it, the main thing with it was they put in the statement we want to cover up illegal graffiti, but he has permission to do this. Yeah, the council have given him permission. They asked the people who run the junction boxes, and they said, "Yeah, it's fine." Yeah. So as a, the only illegal thing is what they've done. Yeah, it's it's not as if this has seemingly happened anywhere else. I've not, you know, obviously I'm out of the city, but it's not like you've heard any of anyone going around cleaning up graffiti in in the middle of Leeds or anything like that. It, it you know, like you say, it is purely targeted, and it's just it's just a shame that a lot of time and effort has been uh, destroyed like that. Yeah, and I don't. Did you read? Uh, the piece Phil Hay did about it about a week or so before. Uh, I didn't know, but I'd, I've I've seen. It's like looking into his into like Andy's story. He did an interview with him, and like the reason he started doing it was he he had a lot of personal sort of tragedy, and it mm. was he started out painting one for like his niece that passed away and stuff like that. And it's it is just like someone doing something out of goodness of the heart that everyone seemed to like. Like, obviously, I work in middle of Leeds, and not everyone in there is a Leeds fan, but everyone has seen these boxes and everyone likes them. Yeah. Even the Man United fans and stuff like them. They go, oh, no, it's good to have stuff like that around the 
around the city. Yeah, and I think you know, especially around the stadium, I don't think that I don't think you'd find many fans who would of any club who would who would would not want something like that around their own ground. Yeah, and because we're a one club city, you can get away with doing them all over, really. But yeah, anyway, that's for a rant over. I hope whoever did it is willing to put the name to it at some point because uh, it'd be interesting to see what would happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, you know, clearly if the if the statement doesn't actually belong to the people who did it, then you know I don't think bravery is one of their traits. No, I believe that there was someone who saw them do it. Some, I think there was a woman said that they saw them do it, and it was like some blokes in the fifties. Yeah, you know, it's good to know it's mature, responsible people. If that statement is real, they are the most joyless pricks in the history of the world. Joy, yeah, joyless is is a word. As you know, it's what I used to describe it, and I think it's been used by a lot of people. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Right. Uh, there's been a fair bit of news in terms of transfers, international stuff like that. So the outgoings, I doubt that we'll have a great deal of positive to say. Uh, Lawrence de Bock has gone to Sunderland on a season-long loan. Yeah, what are your favourites? Yeah, um, I called that one quite quick. <laughs> <laughs> I think it took three games. Uh, yeah, three games, something like that. I, my dad was the one that had it best. I think it took him about 45 minutes. Yeah, I think you kind of broke in for me and, and it kind of helped that I hadn't seen that much of him up to that point. If I remember rightly, I think the first game I watched, uh, the first full game I watched with him at left-back was Derby away. Debocky Horror Show. Oh, God. <laughs> I was about 10 minutes in after what you said, oh, God. Oh, everything's going down our left. Yeah, he really is shite. uh, Under my guise as managing editor of Through It All Together, which you should all visit and follow on Twitter at THRU, it's all AOFC. I did a little like Q&A thing with Roker Report, which is Sunderland's SB Nation site, which is very big, much bigger than... It's like their sort of square ball size thing. Yeah. Uh, And... They, my answers didn't go over all that well because it was like, well, well, do you see him more as an attacking fullback or a defensive one? Neither. <laughs> I don't think he's really a footballer. Yeah, I can't really say anything because he was crap in both directions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is definitely a body. Yeah, he definitely exists. So that's all I can tell you. Uh, Connor Shocknessy has gone to Mansfield for the season. Th- this is quite sad. Yeah, because he uh, apparently he got man at match in his first game. Yeah, he. Cause he at what point did he go to Hearts last season? Was it January? January he went to Hearts. So yeah, and kind of looking, he made. I think he made eleven appearances for Hearts. Mm. So again, he wasn't a regular. There's a player in there. We've seen it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to set set the world alight as a centre back or as a centre mid, but there's there's a player in there. Yeah, he's a. It's a weird one because when he first came in at centre back, I mean, obviously he didn't have an amazing time against Bolton when he came off bench for that first one, but he played against Fulham not long after. He played against Fulham and he was best player on Park at centre half. He looked, it looked like that positional change was going to do him a lot of good. And obviously with him being like six foot three, six foot four, he looked like he looked to have the build for it as well. And I think it w- against Ipswich, he like stepped out from back and played a really good through ball that put Lasaga through and he scored. And he thought, we really might be onto something here. And then he just fell off a cliff. Even It's not just that injury he got away at Hull that kept him out for ages, because it was before that that he started to just fall to bits. Yeah, it was sad to see, because he, you know, he became Christensen's backup centre-back and his go-to and... He made a couple of appearances in centre mid, which which kind of didn't seem to suit him anymore. No, I uh, I remember he came on against Barnsley, I think, and he was absolutely dreadful in centre mid. Yeah, and I think the strange thing about it is, especially when you've got a centre mid that size, he stands out like a sore thumb. So you really notice everything, you know, even just in terms of positioning, and just he just stands out that little bit more. But yeah, and then Bielsa took a look at him in a one or two League Cup games and, and didn't fancy him, and that's pretty much been it. Yeah, I I don't know if he even played two League Cup games, but I know he played at centre-back against Preston in the one we lost, 
where where Preston had ten men for like seventy minutes, and it was one of the poorer performances you're going to see. And I I wasn't surprised we never saw him again after that, to be honest, because he really was crap. Because before that, uh, like when Bielsa first did his press conferences, when he was talking about the players to come back, he always mentioned Shotnessy, like every time, as if he thought he was going to be involved. Because obviously he'd seen all of last season, so he'd seen the player at the start of the season that looked decent. And if he saw anyone look decent, Bielsa would back himself to make them good. Yeah, Bielsa must have loved him. Someone who started out as a centre mid has mo- then made the move to centre back. He must have, he must have been, you know, rubbing his hands together, thinking they've already started this for me. Bro. Yeah, unfortunately, he turned out to be a bit shite. <laughs> yeah, another midfielder that dropped deep but has now gone. Uh, Callum Nysel has been mute. It looks as if it's a fairly mutual termination. Uh, was on bench a couple of times, looked decent for twenty threes. I think he played some Ireland youth international football. But he's a uh, he's gone. I'm sure that he'll find a club fairly quickly. Uh yeah, he's I think he had, he had a couple of trials, didn't he, over the summer? Uh if I remember rightly, Leicester and Sheffield United, I think. Yeah, so there's there's clearly people who've taken notice of him. So yeah, hopefully he'll find something quickly. Just 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 to squeeze this in before we move on as well. Uh, mutual termination is what I like to call euthanasia. Well, yeah, that works. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've come to a mutual termination here. <laughs> yeah, um, no, the, uh, I like to call them a really, 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 really late term abortion. No, um, uh, uh, any of our listeners in the south of the USA who, <laughs> uh, yeah, Cal- all two of them. Yeah, Callum Nysels was kind of a uh, you know that's a mutual termination. Good luck in the future. Whereas we also had one that was more uh, paid to fuck off. Uh, Vernon and Eater. <laughs> Again, I'd, I'd love to know what happened because that should have been a a great signing for the championship when he first arrived. We were all happy. We all thought it was a great signing, and then. He never seemed to play a game at centre mid, or any game that mattered. No, we never used him there. But also, like when that promotion season at Newcastle, he played fullback, and I think that Leeds thought he'd be able to recreate that form as a fullback, and he just couldn't. He looked dreadful, even more so when he played left back. Yeah, I mean, I still have I still have nightmares about some of those performances. That was um wow left back options of him and Cameron Borthwick Jackson. I actually forgot about Cameron Borthwick Jackson's existence. Oh yeah, I was just I try to picture because at one point I was trying to remember who who it was that put, I was about to blame him for Newport away. And fair play, he was only crap after he came on as a sub. Yeah, that that was Borthwick Jackson. At left back for the start of that. Yeah, he he was crap. But Anita, I have some sympathy with the club because I I would have probably been willing to pay him a decent wage and give him a three year deal as well because mm. he should have been a good signing in theory. But just before yeah. before we move on to paying people off, just uh, we need to go to the JTG of Leeds United, Wasim Boy. Just... Oh. <laughs> How is he still stealing, here? <laughs> stealing a living, that man. I'm, I'm, I'm almost impressed. If he was doing this at any other club, I'd probably think it was hilarious. Is he, like, is he training at all? He what is, is he doing? He is training a bit. I know that. I mean, I don't go on Snapchat and Instagram and stuff like that, but they do get posted to Twitter sometimes. I believe he did. He has been at Thorpe Arch at times and training on his own at other times, but I don't think he reported back until about like you know last week in July, start of August or something. Daft because they just you know like they told Jansen to stay away because they knew he was going. Yeah. Well, they told him to stay away as well because we hoped he was going because we were dying for him to be going. But he just like apparently he's on quite decent money as well. I mean, for doing that level of <laughs> for that level of work, a grand a week's not bad. Yeah, and I, I think he's on, like, you know, like, low-level first-team money. No, maybe not even low, maybe not even low-level. Like, it wouldn't shock me if his contract is more than Phillips's old one was. It was, it was a bizarre one, because he's, 
Is it Wasim Boy who was the one that arrived and was already on the older side of things? Uh, old by the standard of... Because we brought in... Uh, that was when we brought in all the 23s, and he was older than them. I will look up yeah. how old he is. I f- I'm going to guess about 25. Yeah, that was... Because he's been all off at shop as well. Uh, he's 26. Yeah, oh, Jesus. But, you know, Ajax, Juve, Brescia, Hamburg, Panathinaikos, Pe- PAC, Zvola three times. Uh, Palermo, us, Leonessa. There's some really good clubs in there. Yeah, that's why when we signed him, we thought he must have something. And now I know, and <laughs> but I have since realised what the something is. His agent is Mino Raiola. Ah. Basically, from everything that you hear, we signed him as a favour to Raiola in order to try and get other players. Interesting. Why we had to give him a four-year deal to do that? <laughs> This isn't like yeah, this isn't like a signing that uh, Gil Amor for under 18s, you know, two year deal and he'll be on sod all money to maybe try and get a few Barcelona kids in. <laughs> I'm gonna all right. I'm gonna put this to you. This question is this a worse signing for that reason than Cardiff sign, signing the Mackays? Uh, yes, because he'll be on more money than the Mackays. No, because it doesn't joke deleted due to Willie Mackay being a bit litigious. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, just just finish the joke yourself. <laughs> you know where you know where I was going. I'm pretty sure I can't get sued for that because I didn't say it. No, <laughs> it may be implied that that's what we were thinking, but that's no no proof. Yeah, uh, but no, I if it, if it's purely football stuff. Boy is worse because I bet he's on more than both of them combined. But we yeah. did, you have to remember that we did both of those. Well, yeah, true. And we signed Billy Whitehouse, who was like his nephew or something. A superstar, Billy Whitehouse. Yeah. Can you remember that article when he was linked with Cardiff and no one was surprised because it's Warnock? Yeah. And it described him as a wonder kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he had a horrid time, didn't he? Uh yeah. Um, oh, hang on. Do you know where Billy Whitehouse is? Uh, oh, I did as well, and I can't remember. All right, so this, just to kind of follow the timeline since he left us, it was Alfreton Town, Shaw Lane. I remember him being at Shaw Lane, because at Shaw Lane he was playing in midfield with David Norris. Then he's had two years at Tadcaster Albion, mm. and now he is a Premier League player. A Northern Premier League player? No, the Welsh Premier League. He's with TNS. Oh, the former Total Network Solutions. Yes. <laughs> they are, they'll be dancing on the streets of Total Network Solutions. <laughs> yeah. And just, if you want, like, and I'm sure you must stick this on his CV. Uh, Jason Blunt, when he was his coach, said of him, player of immense skill, talent, and potential who also creates chances and his work ethic and professional attitude and mentality is of the highest level expected from such a talent. Huh. Well, that's a very nice thing to say, but, you know, Jason Blunt has also made one of the weirdest career moves I've ever seen someone do, so... To, to run a local academy. Yeah. What was it? He left... Cornwall, at, was it? He went from our under-23s manager to... Was it Mousehole? Yes. <laughs> it was a weird one. What an odd place name. Anyway, Spe- a, speaking, of lo- spe- speaking of lowering yourself to be at a much worse team, Liam Cooper got two caps for Scotland. Well, I, I mean, we, we, we've all said it. It's, it's been impressive that it took this long. It was like that period when Scotland refused to pick Ross McCormack despite being the top scorer in the championship. Yeah. But no, uh, it didn't go great for him. They lost 2-1 against Russia and 4-0 against Belgium. The Belgium game, if Belgium could have been asked, it would have been 10. Kevin De Bruyne absolutely ripped them to pieces. It's so funny now, like, just thinking of Belgium as, as this big, big name in, in football now, because you, you go back even 10 years ago, and, and yes, kind of, uh, you know, Vincent Company was, well, I suppose, 10 years ago. He was a Premier League player, but 10, 15 years ago when, you know, Belgium produced decent players, but 
the, at that point, you know, their national team wasn't anything great. They were fine. Yeah, rather than having like Mertens, Lukaku, etc., they had Emil and Penza. Yeah, Anthony van den Boer. I'll not hear a word said against that man. <laughs> Won me everything. Was... Yeah, it was in a computer game. So what? That was so upsetting when he rocks up at Portsmouth in the championship. Uh, wasn't it? It was it was him that got sent off that where Chris Kamara missed a red card on Soccer Saturday, wasn't it? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> Has he? <laughs> and tell us about the red card. There's been a red card. What? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Yeah. A uh, bit of a detail from Liam Cooper. Um, I'm glad that he's got him some caps. Hopefully they'll keep him in because he is an improvement on what they've got. Yeah, it, uh, again, just surprising that it took this long for him to even get you know get near the team. So I'm glad he's made a couple of appearances. You know, rough couple of games, but if you if you're playing for Scotland, it's not going to get much tougher than Belgium at this point. No, uh, the most surprising debut of the lot was Alfie McCalmont, who uh, he got called up to under twenty ones. Impressed in training, so they put him in the squad for the Luxembourg game, and he came on for the last half hour, senior debut. Uh, I don't know how that works. Well, I, I don't think England have ever actually. I think no, I think that we have played them before, but I know it's happened before where they get a couple of injuries and they just call up a couple of under twenty ones. Yeah, it just just seems strange that he's still got his under twenty one games in as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy for him that he made his debut. Just. It just seems an odd thing to do. I do think a little bit of it, even though it was only a friendly, I think, the, Lux- the Luxembourg game. So it won't, it doesn't actually lock him in, but I think that because, I mean, he, I think he's born in like first or something. Mm. So I think they said that on Square Paul. Uh, so it might be a little bit of locking him in. Yeah. Just in case he comes really good and England try and pinch him. Yeah, it's, it's good to see, you know, I think it was, was it the... Towards the end of the summer, or was it the end of last season when McCalmont started training with the first team? Yeah, he really seemed to progress quickly the last sort of six months of last season. I uh, I had a quick listen to the Inside Allen Road podcast today, and they were saying on there that apparently he wanted to go out on loan, and they wouldn't let him because they thought you'll learn more being here. Yeah, I, you know you can see that under Bielsa. Yeah, they are. Uh, he did well. Uh, obviously, Dallas didn't play against Luxembourg, but he did play against Germany. They got beat 2-0, but Dallas was really good. Like, he of course really, he was. He, he, to be, he nearly scored as well from right back. Uh, Northern Ireland went a bit Bielsa, actually, because McCalmont played for the under-21s the day after that game. Yeah, sounds about right. And then played again a few days later. Uh, Alioski played for North Macedonia as normal. Uh, they won 2-0 against Latvia and got a 1-1 in Israel, where he got the assist. It was a really good free kick, actually, the cross. Yeah, it was a, a near-post header, wasn't it, I think? A lovely cut, uh, in-swinging free kick from the right-hand side. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Well, uh, Click played for Poland, but didn't do much. Mateusz Bogut's made his under-21 debut for Poland. Yeah, that's good. In, in, fan, in like, fantasy football terms, he got two assists. Because he got an assist and he won a penalty. For, oh, for a goal. He was only on for the last half hour, the 1-4-0. Uh, Temenushkov played, he came off the bench late for Bulgaria in a 4-0 win, under-21s. Uh, Niall Huggins went away with Wales under-21s, but he didn't get on pitch. Uh, then the England contingent, uh, Nketiah played both games for England under-21s, and he scored twice in the first one. Yeah, these these goals were all over our... Uh, all over the the club's Twitter account. It was great. Yeah. Uh, Jack Clark made his debut for England under-20s in a nil-nil against Holland and then scored a 93rd-minute winner in the second game to win 1-0, back post header, and uh, Shackleton also played in the second game. Yeah, good I mean, a little bit surprising given how Jack Clark's club played, but at the same time, I suppose if you've got an under-21s, an under-20s and an under-19 squad, there's a lot of room to get up there all of a sudden yeah and when a Premier League team comes in and plays 9 million it's going to be enough to get you some sort of recognition yeah yeah good to see Jamie Shackleton get a call up as well yeah hopefully um, not the hopefully not the last time yeah he'll be England captain one day that lad that'd be nice wouldn't it yeah I'll stick a tenner on it now be a bit uh, like Lewis Cook (laughs) 
Yeah, only difference is when Lewis Cook broke into the first team, it was Lewis Cook to play for England. Yeah, we'll give you like, you know, eight to 11. Uh, uh, Ryan Edmondson got his first call up for England under 19s, got a goal and an assist on his debut. Of course he did. He just scores goals, that man. Yeah, and it was a proper Edmondson goal as well. Ball comes back off the post and he's in the right place. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Noan Kenny. Uh, the England under-17s won the Serenka Cup in Poland, which they had to get through three rounds to do. Uh, I don't think he played in the first game, but he played it right back in the semis and the final. Tell me more about the Serenka Cup, Jack. The Serenka Cup? Oh, well, it's yeah. a youth tournament held in Poland. There you go. Uh, that's about as far as I can go. <laughs> it's one of those tournaments I've never heard of before. Yeah. I know the Toulon tournament, that's all I've got. The other thing is, like, it appears no one can decide whether it's under 17s or under 18s. Like, even the FAA's website says both <laughs> at points. It's a bit weird. Is, is it a bit like on uh, on Football Manager when if you're in the Champions League and so your youth team starts playing in the UEFA Youth League, then yeah. it's like you're under 18s against some under 19s, occasionally an under 20s team. Yeah. It's just a variety of age groups there. Yeah, and one age group that we haven't mentioned, the under-23s. Uh, they've played two hey. games since we're away. They were both nil-nil. It's very different to last season. Yeah, uh, nil-nil with Bristol City, where apparently where we played quite a strong team and should have won. Uh, and then a nil-nil away at Palace that was a really good result. Uh, Ilan Meslier in goal had an absolute blinder. I'm not going to lie, I've got nothing to add to this because I've, I've not seen it. All right, uh, he made a load of good saves and saved a penalty. But it was a really good result away at Palace because all youth internationals were away. It was a really young team that we put out. Like Dane Burles played right back. Charlie Cresswell played his first game at centre back for 23s. Uh, Stuart McKinstry played. Jack Jenkins, Theo Hudson. Nicholas Hogland played up front. It was a very, very, very young team. So a nil nil at Palace was a good result. And Tyler Roberts made his comeback from injury for the second half. It's good to see. And, you know, it's nice for the younger lads to. Yeah, test themselves at the next level. And good to see they, they kind of stood up to it. Yeah. Um, so, like, his centre-back partnership, I think, was Charlie Cresswell and Ollie Casey, which was his under-18s one last season. Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah. Uh, ben White won PFA Fans Player of the Month. Yeah. I mean, it's it says a lot for him that he got... It's more getting nominated, because obviously it's a fan vote, so once the Leeds player's in it, they're probably going to win. Yeah. I mean, he, he thoroughly deserved the nomination. He's been absolutely fantastic all, you know, since the start of the season. Yeah, it made me, it made me laugh because uh, Brighton were like tweeting how he'd won it, and all the comments underneath were Leeds fans going, I don't know how he's won it, it's shit, you should sell us him. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here, have two million. We're doing you a favour. I'm sorry, we've made him so much worse at football, but we literally we feel bad for ruining your investment. We'll give you two million. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. I'd love to see that. Yeah, as I say, the only way we're getting him permanent is if we go up and Brighton go down. Yeah. And then we might be at game. Uh, one that you will probably have a bit to say about uh, because you've had a very well-received article on Through It All Together about it. Uh, Jordan Stevens has got a six-week total ban from football for gambling and a fine of £1,250, I think. Yes. I just... Right, well, just let me try and remember the fact, because I haven't got it written down in front of me. Was it? I think it was 58 bets across the season, eight involving leads, five of which were bets on leads to win, and three were both teams to score. And he didn't play in any of those games. Yeah, and... So the ruling was based on just the games that involved Leeds, essentially, as, as they were deemed to be the worst offences. Yeah, because it was literally stuff like, you know, a ten a ten to accumulate on a weekend, wasn't it? For the, yeah, for the was, other things. There was no, there was no big money involved. From from what I gather, a lot of it was. I believe it was a total of about five hundred and eighty quid, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, which over a season is nothing. Well, like you say, over fifty odd games. Yeah. You know, it's you know that's fairly typical. But you know, if you're spending a tenner a time, that's you know that's that's about right. Mm. And yeah, you know, the the first thing I'll say is there there should be a punishment for this. Oh it's yeah, it's made, it's against made the rules. abundantly clear to to players. It even said in the in the report that he had been that he had seen a presentation on on gambling on whilst playing yeah i believe that there was a a meeting they all had to go to that was a thing about not being at gamble on football and he had a bet two days later 
Yeah. So that that was one of the things that I think really went against him was that you know it's it's been made clear to him and not just he's been told this there, there, there is a presentation and I think a lot of young players are made aware of this fairly early on that said you know the club and John Stevens comply uh, you know complied with everything provided evidence Rob Price was the one who gave a statement for the the club about him and essentially said that he struggled to integrate himself with you know with the team and he's been struggling with homesickness and anxiety yeah i can say you're you're not really the best person to ask in terms of this because mm. obviously you've moved you've fucked off to america and stuff on your own yeah so you're clearly not the most homesick person in the world but there's a lot of people who, if at eighteen, move away at eighteen years old and really struggle with it. Yeah, and uh, you know he's come from Gloucester. He he was, and and this was the learning for me was that Forest Green Rovers was in Gloucester. Yeah, I had no idea where it was. <laughs> no, I didn't either. So you could assume he's probably been he'd probably been with Forest Green Rovers for a couple of years at least before we've been there. Living at home. Yeah, living at home, and then he's moved. It's a solid four and a half hour drive away. You know, he's a guy that's left his friends behind, not in a you know in an area where he can still see people regularly, and you can understand why. You know, he's probably you know I don't know if he, he shares a house with any of the other lads, but even then, you can see how you become so isolated very quickly. Yeah, and another thing, I've literally just thought of this actually, but like for instance, I don't go out drinking with the people I work with. I get on with them fine and everything. I just never bother. But, like, let's mm. say that him and his teammates, they even get along fine, but they're not, like, best mates or anything. Normally, yeah. if you move to a new city, the way you'd meet people is you'd you'd be going out drinking and stuff. Can't even do that. And he can't do that. He's a professional footballer. You know, it's it's, it's you know it's really tough, and this definitely needs to open up a, a bigger conversation about young players moving. You know, and I think this goes. If, if for my mind, it goes back to one of the big things that Howard Wilkinson came up with, with the uh, the theory that or the idea that you could only sign players under a certain age uh, if they lived within was it a ninety minute drive or a two hour drive of the training ground. Yeah, and I think I don't think that was the purpose of that rule. It was more so each so each team can be can have a better chance of getting players especially the lower teams mm. but you know you're now seeing something like this where someone is, is just moved a long way from home you know and and yes people are a phone call away but you know i'm sure most of his mates even though you know especially the ones he didn't play football where they're having a social life on an evening and don't want to be on the phone for half an hour which is fully understandable yeah well one of thing i think one of the things that it said was that like all of his mates, one of the things that they talk and have a laugh about is them all having a accumulator on a Saturday and stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it's become commonplace now. Um, I don't even know what, what it's called, but you know, you get a group of people who each put a tenner in and, and try and predict teams to win, and essentially it's like a last man standing type thing. Yeah, you do get things like that. You know, it's, you know if you're a fan of football, this, this, this is stuff that a lot of people typically talk about. And, you know, if you're not playing that much and, and you've got a lot of time to yourself and this is, you know, you're going to get lured into this. And I think one of the things again, that was pointed out was how, especially the football league now, admittedly, you know, the one thing I will say is the, it was the FA that made this decision. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't down to the football league, yeah. but the football league has well and truly gotten into bed with gambling companies. You know, it's the sky bet championship we play in. Half the league is 32 red. Yeah. Uh, what what was it? Something I think last season it was nineteen of the twenty four teams were sponsored by betting companies, and that's just shirt sponsorship. Twenty four out of twenty four are sponsored by betting companies. Yeah, I mean even Leeds, while thirty two red is our shirt sponsor, I think it's Ladbrokes or another betting company that is the official betting company. Yeah, I think it's Ladbrokes because Ladbrokes and Coral are now one company. Yeah, so it's a different. So it's another betting company that's the official partner of or the official betting partner of the club as well yeah it's all over the place it's they have there is a lot to be said about all of that stuff but there is also the you know the free market economics argument of well if everyone's paying the money 
and stuff like that. But the main the main bugbear I have with it is one the hypocrisy of football that I I would have much rather they doubled his fine and doubled the length of his ban, but still let him train. Like, yeah. I don't think they should have done either of the other two things. I think the 1,200 quid fine and a six-week ban is fine, just so long as it isn't a total ban. You've got a kid there that's struggling with integration and he's lonely and at home by himself, and that's one of the reasons why he's ended up betting. And your punishment is have six weeks where you're not allowed to go to work and you have to sit at home by yourself. Yeah. Now, admittedly, if he isn't allowed to train... I'm sure that he'll, I mean, he might well spend five, six weeks at home with his mum and dad and just, I mean, hell, Forrest Green might let him go train with them. Not even train with, because he's not allowed, but go running around in parks around there. I, I wonder, I I would imagine that even the club might spring for him to have a personal trainer three, four days a week. I don't think they'd be allowed. I'd be interested. Because well, uh, that's involvement I've... with the club, if they're paying for it. What I, What might happen is oh, I have a mate who's a personal trainer and he's going to do it for free and then magically he gets some work off Leeds six months down the line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. Because that was one of the other things uh, in the press conference, say Calvin Phillips pointed out that he's going to have six weeks off and then by the time he comes back, he's got to catch up with his match fitness. And not just match fitness, Bielsa match fitness. Yeah. Six weeks is 12. It's, it's just a bizarre decision. Like, again... I, if you'd have given him a six-game ban, I'd be fine. I, th- I, th- I think it's reasonable. I think it's made abundantly clear to players that there are consequences for, for this sort of thing. And, you know, uh, we've seen recently um, Daniel Sturridge getting caught up in stuff like this. Joey Barton did mm. the other year. You know, it's not as if... Because of my job, I know of several others that have not been caught doing it. I am not. I could not say on the air. Like, I couldn't, you're not allowed. In fact, I'm, yeah. I, I can't say full stop, really. But everyone who works in the gambling industry has seen certain names pop up. Yeah. And and again, my one of my other issues is that they've come to this harsher, harsher punishment for a single player. And then you look at the way the FA dealt with the Huddersfield shirt sponsor. Yeah, £50,000 fine. For a shirt they wore in a preseason friendly, and the reason, and it's because the shirt sponsor was too big. It's not because of the content of the sponsor. The sponsor was deemed to be too big, and then Millwall got fined ten thousand pounds for racist chanting when they've had four incidents reported in eighteen months. Yeah, it's just the. I mean, it is a bit of a weird one because some of them are FA decisions and some are EFL decisions. All three of those, to be fair, those three are. are FA decisions. Yeah, so, it, but like, you know, it's like, it's weird because there's two bodies dealing with things when you go through all the examples, because there's a million examples we could go with. But the, the... Half of those would be Millwall. Yeah, the main problem that I have with the Stevens thing is the welfare of the person, not the, not as a footballer, as a person, should be a factor. And yeah. the total ban, it just makes no sense. It's... It's the sort of thing. This needs to. It's the sort of thing that needs to be sorted with education, not with just isolation. Yeah, it's such a bad idea. And there's, as this is not. Oh, he was he played for Leeds in a two 0 defeat, and he backed the other team. Yeah, because when it's if it's something like that, then I can understand it. I can understand him throwing the book at him. But this, it's just not the same. No, just I I think counterproductive is is probably the best word I can think of to describe it. I, you know, yes, there should be a sanction, but it just seems so. It doesn't seem to help anything. No, uh, yeah. So it's just, it's just not right for me. This is not right, King. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, we can finally, after all that, because there has been shitloads happen because while we've been away, we can finally get onto like the main news: three new contracts, new four-year deal for Stuart Dallas. Great. Thoroughly deserved. Yeah, he's earned it because he, um, you know, he was there on the fringes, not getting enough game time. And since he's, it took him, a, it took him a few games to adjust. But this season, he's been absolutely brilliant at right back. Yeah, and again, now if if nothing else, to find 
to find another player to come in as a backup right back and get to speed with Bielsa's tactics would one, I think it costs more money than it's worth. And I think it'd take too long. Whereas now you're seeing Dallas as, as fully caught up with, with the system and he's playing it very effectively. Yeah. Uh, we've already mentioned him playing for Scotland, but Liam Cooper, new five-year deal. Yeah, I think it's Liam Cooper maybe a year or two younger than Dallas. Uh, I will check. I'm going to say that Liam Cooper is 27. Yeah, I was thinking 26, 27. I think Dallas is 28. Uh, my uh, phone has decided to crash. Uh, they're both around that sort of age, aren't they? Definitely. So, so Stuart Dallas. Stuart Dallas is 28. Jesus, did my stomach just rumble so loud? <laughs> it probably got picked up by the microphone. <laughs> that was a... Apparently, I'm hungry. I didn't realise. <laughs> uh, Liam, Liam, Liam Cooper is 28 as well. Ah, mate. So I was out by a year. So, but yeah, we were kind of in the ballpark. Yeah. The, Again, standing by your captain. Yeah. The only criticism I can think of is we've been here before with giving players really long contracts. If the club really does think that they're going up this year, are they, sh- are they sure that five years of Liam Cooper is the right length of deal? Like when it, when I read new contract for Liam Cooper, I was expecting to read three years. Again, I, th- I think the issue is especially when it's. I don't be- I just to say I don't begrudge him it at all. Like I'm absolutely fine with him no. getting a five year deal, but it's just the only the only criticism I could think of. No, and and I, and I think as as has now become the thing for especially for those two, this is uh, this is the last big contract, isn't it? Prob- so, probably. You know, I think if you give them three year deals, that you know finishes when they're thirty one. There might still be a point where you'd want to keep them around, but uh, yeah, very much depends on where we are. But I think when it's your captain, especially, he's you know he's going to be pushing for a longer contract. So I, I can see why they've gone with yeah. the five year deal. Yeah, and then the main event deal, which is also five years, but if anything, is five years too short. Uh, Calvin, give a ten year contract. <laughs> Calvin Phillips, new five year contract. Oh, gone in so the summer. I did like it because again today he was asked about Leeds had had said that there was bids for him in the summer and and Calvin Phillips said that the £20 million bid that was made for him was £20 million too much but yeah it's great news especially after you know the kind of the situation with Kemar Roof last year that dragged on it was around I think it was just before Christmas when the club had initially said they were opening talks and it, it you know it finished two weeks before the transfer window closed or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's great to have Phillips tied down, you know, someone who clearly is very happy here. Once to say, I think, you know, it's not to say if we didn't go up in the next couple of years that you wouldn't want to look to move on to, to move up a level. Cause I think Calvin Phillips at this point is a premier league player. Oh, I think Calvin Phillips plays in the premier league next season, regardless of what happens at Leeds. I don't say that, would be really sad. Yeah, I, I really do, and I, I wouldn't be grudging it. If we don't go up this season, apparently there is a release clause in there, which if Leeds turned down 20, rising to 27 in the summer, I would think he's probably around about the 25 straight up, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I could, it, I think that it's sort of a protect Leeds but get Phillips tied down so then if Leeds do go up, they don't have to give him a new deal on 60 grand a week. Yeah. Like, he's on nearly 25, I reckon, now. I'm assuming if Leeds go up, that just automatically goes up to 35, 40. Yeah, you'd imagine so. Or, or at least or at least it only lasts while they're in the championship. Yeah, there's a... There, it sort of... It makes sense to do this deal. If he wants to stay, doing this deal protects everyone. But I'm hoping that he's still here in 10 years. Yeah, I, I think... I always remember after the after the uh, Eric's, uh, Christian Eriksen season, not Christian Eriksen, Thomas Christiansen season. Very different people. I, mean. I know, right? Well, <laughs> uh, the I think we spoke about it, and and I always thought he was he was going to make the house and move. I thought he was the one that would make the move to to ten. And I th- I'm thinking he would look a lot more impactful 
and the fact the fact he he moved to defensive midfield and has just been pure class since he got those ball winning skills have, have really come to the fore it does seem like he's forgotten how to shoot a little bit yeah but he doesn't particularly uh, need to no his distribution's been fantastic he he did a good job last season when he he stepped in at center back for four or five games as well he's someone who've turned very quickly from and like i said you go back to the the house and analogy of at one point house and especially in those you know those the last year in league one was a very anonymous player at times kind of occasionally showed up but you never quite got the best of house and and then that move to number 10 really kind of suited him and got him in into the game more and he became this attacking threat and the, the move back has done the same thing for phillips you know he's just gone from pro- probably just to an even bigger extent yeah and i, and I think with phillips again he was and i, I was the, and it was the issue with the system we were playing as well under Heckingbottom and, and Christiansen, that we just had generic midfielders. There was no real defined role for any of them. And having Bielsa coming and going, this is your exact job. This is what you do. Mm. And it has helped him immeasurably. And has turned him from this anonymous, you know, general central midfielder to, you know, ball-winning, distributing central, uh, holding midfielder. Yeah, he's taken him from average championship midfielder to guy who I genuinely think could make an England squad this year. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Love to see Calvin pull on an England shirt. Yeah, I really, I, I honestly think that because Southgate likes to give people a chance, mm. if if England get a friendly, like he picked Mount when he was at Derby, didn't he? Yeah. I could see him going, all right, well, for this one, instead of having Eric Dyer and Declan Rice in the squad... I'm going to have Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips and give them a go. Yeah. One thing I will say while kind of while we're on the subject of England, I, I watched the I watched the Bulgaria game. I couldn't watch the Kosovo game. It's a shame the Kosovo game was great. <laughs> I know I looked, I looked absolutely mental when I looked at the score. Um well, I did also look at that Bulgarian team and just without having actually ever seen him play, wonder why Temenoshkov is not leading the line for Bulgaria. Yeah, he should be. Um but again, it's amazing to see the transformation now. It'd just be it'd be so nice to see more players with Leeds connections in the in the England team. Yeah, it's a shame that Lewis Cook's, you know, Lewis Cook's gonna have to find a way back in once he's recovered. Because um, he, you know, he's the most recent one that you'd looked at and could kind of still have that tentative connection to. Well, he's one of us. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see Leeds players in the England team while they're at Leeds. Yeah. Well, if we manage to go up and keep Bielsa, there'll be loads. Well, not loads, but there'll be a few because he's just that good at developing people. Him, it'll be Phillips, Jack Harrison, Ben White. <laughs> ben White, I could see that within two years. Uh, Luke Ayling, bombing down the right. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Love to see. But yeah, it's, it's. I think to to get back on track a little bit, it's fantastic to have Phillips tied down and we don't have any of this nonsense it was interesting seeing him saying that he he turned off his pretty much turned off all social media over the summer as well just he just wanted to get away from it didn't want to deal with it went and he I think I'm guessing he went to Vegas I know he went to America I just assume Vegas well if you're going to go to America and you've got a decent amount of money you're going to go to Vegas at, at least for part of your trip are you fuck's sake don't send Jordan Stevens. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan, if you're listening. Why, he's perfectly allowed to go in a casino. (laughs) Well, if they've got a sports book in there. Yeah, Mm. but just get get on the tennis. There's an ITF tournament in Las Vegas. You can go to that. But yeah, uh, so it's good now that he he can be solely focused on that. None of us have to worry about this contract anymore. So it was the best news, I think, when... It was, was it Graham Smith that basically said it's expected that he'll sign a contract tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, that was lovely to see but that. I, I was one of it. I won't believe in anything until I saw it. And luckily, one of the things about being on nights was I woke up to that news. So I was, uh, yeah, that's magic. 
So I was quite happy. Um, me and you, me and you are on a fairly similar sleep pattern at the moment, which is quite nice. Yeah, which which would be great if it wasn't for the, you know, six for the I'm going to say sixteen hours of travelling it would take <laughs> <laughs> as a minimum. Yeah, you know, travelling over there might be an eight hour difference, but there's a twenty year difference on Sunday as Leeds travel to Barnsley. <laughs> Uh, I hate playing at Barnsley. <laughs> no, I know. I think I think we won there. La- no, not last season because we didn't play them. Season before, which was last time we played them, we, I think we won two 0 Yeah, that. In fact, that's the that's the game we were talking about earlier with Connor Shocknessy. Yeah, uh, Alioski and I want to say Saez. I think Saez, yes. Because I think Eki- I think Ekiban played up front and it was one of his best games for us. Good performance. Didn't score though, did he? Nah, never does. Well, except for in Europa League where he got that hat-trick the other week. So bizarre. Um, yeah, I always kind of revert back to that first season back in the Championship when we lost, was it 5-2? Uh, when Bassoni was hauled off like a minute after half-time. Yeah. Just because apparently that was the end of him. We'd, we'd fully broken Bersoni. Yeah, uh, so anyway, it's half 12 on Sunday. Right, the notes say not on Sky because it wasn't according to their website or anything. But also there were places saying it was in the, on the red button. I saw a screenshot earlier today. Well, not a screenshot, a photo of someone's TV screen. And it came up at the side of Sky Sports News that it was on the red button. Yeah, that's I, I've seen a few places saying it's on the red button. Yeah, so I believe now that it is, they're just Sky a crap at advertising stuff, so on their website it says it isn't. Uh, their 21st, they had a great start because they beat Fulham on opening day 1-0, but since then, lost 2-0 at Chef Wednesday, got beat 3-0 at home by Carlisle in Cup, 2-2 v Charlton, lost 2-0 at Birmingham, lost 3-1 at home to Luton, and then drew 0-0 at Wigan. Uh, but for the last few games, they have had like seven or eight players out injured, the main ones being uh, Woodrow and Mowat. Collie Woodrow and Alex Mowat should be back for this game, apparently. And they pretty much always play 4-2-3-1. That'll be... That's an interesting because, like you say, they, they they played really well on that on that opening day, but then there was the Apahama step-over conceded goal, which is still some of the most comical defending I've seen from a professional. Yeah. Um, but like you say, there's a couple of decent plays in there. Obviously... Mil- uh, sorry, Malik Wilkes is, is pacey, he's going to cause problems. Yeah, and he's very tricky as well. I would think he'd be quite good for drawing dangerous set pieces. Yeah, you know, Moat can definitely cause problems. Just if we can get him running, we'll be fine. Just, however, you get Alex Moat to run, I don't know. But if we can formulate a plan around that, we'll be fine. Yeah, and we also can't leave him any space, sort of 25, 30 yards out. Yeah, I was looking, I was looking through. And again, it's just really, I was, that was it. I was playing a, one of the Sparkle quizzes and it was the top five goal scorers from each season, starting from the first season in the Premier League. And again, to see Alex Moa as our second top goal scorer one season with 10 goals, it's just sad. Yeah, it was a, as it, all the talent, loads of talent, if he could run. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I, I think the things he'd do with, especially if you look now with the players we have in that team, if you could put him in the 10 role and you've got either Roberts or... Costa, Harrison, Hernandez all playing around him. Mm. The th- I think the things he could do in this team would be a bit magical. Yeah. I know that the 10 role is the one role that has the least defensive responsibility in a Bielsa team, but I as much, as, te- as technically good as he would be, I don't think he could press enough mm. for a Bielsa team. But uh, <sighs> One day. He'll be back one day. He's a poor man's Matthias Bogutz, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> The other, the other video I saw the other day was um, it was Leeds scoring the equaliser against West Ham in the the black and neon kit. The uh, the Adam the Adam Clayton goal. Yeah, I, I think the the minute the ball leaves his right foot is is roughly about the same time as you falling in love with him. I fell in love with him way before that. I fell in love with him. You were there, a pre-season game away at Rochdale. God, I think it was. Because I believe I watched, I was watching him in the middle of midfield, and I remember saying to you after about an hour, going, "He hasn't given the ball away once yet." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I was all in because you were still hung up on that sub appearance he made the season before, where he came on, gave the ball away four times, and got booked in like six minutes. 
Oh, it was, it was, yeah, that was, it was Forrest away. What is this mad bastard doing? <laughs> uh, um, I haven't actually got their full squad list in front, but the main things from a Leeds perspective are, I mean, they lost their best two centre-backs of at summer because uh, Liam Lindsay and Ethan Pinnock have gone. Uh, so now they've got they've still got some decent ones, but the main one for us is Alpo Halmer, who may or may not start. Mowat playing in midfield, Wilkes, and then Wilkes will probably play wide because if Woodrow's fully fit, he'll play up front. Or that DR may might. Yeah. But if we play as we can, we should win this game and relatively comfortably. Yeah, I, I, I think I've said it before on a couple of occasions that I, I think one of the, the failings of this team is that we've never had that one game where, we, where we've absolutely smashed a team. In terms of scoreline, I mean, yeah. there was the closest we've had was when we beat West Brom 4-0. Mm, honest, honestly, I, and I think with the way we play and the amount of chances we create, I, I think it's a failing that we've, especially when we play teams near the bottom of the table, that we've not gone and got five or six and just absolutely demolished them. You would have thought it would have happened once. It's, it's amazing to think of under managers that we've had that the, the games where we've gone and got a high number of goals like that. Like the five against the five against Burton Albion in Lasaga's first game and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and then you look at this team where we do create such a high number of chances and that we just don't get that many, you know, get enough goals for that many shots, I don't think. You know, I'd love it to be a game like this where we just turn up and we just absolutely smash a team. I'd be amazed if it happened away at Barnsley. No, I think we'll lose one. We're always crap at Barnsley. And honestly, for that reason, that's why I'm going to say one all. I'm, I'm still... Um, I, jokingly, I said one nil. I, I do think we'll win this one. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Yeah, I'm going to go how we did last time. Two nil win. But and here's, here's one for you. Do you think anyone has to lend... Kiko a baseball hat so they can so he can see properly. Half twelve kickoff, yeah. <laughs> now I think he'll. I think he will remember a cap this time. Yeah, because well, uh, it was a very nice gesture last time. Give me that. To, would that have been Viedvald? Yeah, it was Viedvald. I think because you could tell that they were giving him it for the good of the team, but they were like, "You useless bastard! Here you go." <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, at this point, Sylvester and Viedvald are kind of bled into one person. Uh, I would. Say that Viedvald was like Silvestri if Silvestri was much less talented. Uh, if if I was pick if I was picking between the two, I'd have Silvestri by a mile. Not as a person, because of obviously Charlton away. But as a as an actual level of talent as a goalkeeper, absolutely no doubt. <laughs> what you know, you, you look now at how pissed we got with Kiko at you know, towards the end of last season. You think of Viedvald, Silvestri Lonergan, Rob Green had that patch when he first got here. Yeah, by the end he was good, but yeah, by the end we were a little bit upset that he'd gone because he he just become a, a solid goalkeeper. Mm. But I, I'm not going to lie, Jack. That sound makes me think we need to wrap this up. What what sound? Was that not your stomach again? Oh, it was. I, I was just hoping it didn't get picked up. Yeah, my stomach's rumbling <laughs> like fuck. I don't know why. <laughs> it's twelve thirty here, so it's lunchtime. No, I was just going to say, I don't know why, but come to think of it, I've eaten like very little over the last sort of three days because I've been on nights. And normally I would be a, you know, disgusting pig and go to like McDonald's during my night shift or something because I'm in the middle of town. But I literally haven't had time to leave the office. So that's probably why. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we probably should wrap it up so that I can get sorted for going to work. <laughs> uh, unless you have out to add. No, the only thing is, I, I won't be, I won't be watching the game. Obviously, it's an early kickoff, and I have, I have a game first thing Sunday morning, and such is the system here. So I have an eight thirty kickoff in the morning. Typically, we've got to be there forty five minutes early. I've got to be there even earlier to help set up the fields. Mm. So uh, watching the the Barnsley game is is not going to happen for me. Boo, real yeah. mood. But yeah, that'll yeah. do us for. What I think I said was episode 55. Indeed. You can follow us on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod. Uh, you can look at the stuff we write, which I really, really, really would like you to do. On on Twitter, it's at THIU, it's all LUFC, or it's throughitalltogether.spnation.com, but just search through it all together and you'll find it. Or if you if any of you use news now for aggregated links, you'll see it on there. Uh, KC's put a couple of things up recently that, are, that have been very well received. 
which is good to see. I'm I'm liking the loan play with the year thing that you're doing. Yeah, it's it's a fun idea looking at because it just reminds you of some of the players that turned up and even the ones that didn't play. Paul Harrison coming in as part of that Scott Carson deal is someone who. Honestly, if I don't look at Wikipedia, he is someone I will not remember. Yeah, I did remember him joining, but I didn't. I'd forgotten that it was part of that Carson deal. Yeah, that all seemingly was the reaction of, "Oh shit, we forgot to give Scott Carson a new contract. What do we do?" Yeah, what do we do? What do we do? I sell him. <laughs> but yeah, that. By the way, sorry, sorry, last bit I'll say because about that, um, I was reading a couple of articles, and one of the articles I came across was hailing Ken Bates as a hero for the way he was uh he come in as a straight talking, no nonsense owner to fix things. Well, what I will mm-hmm. say is people are gullible. I mean, straight talking, no nonsense. I've heard people describe Boris Johnson as straight talking when all he does is lie. So, yeah. you know, pe- people will fall for a fast talker. Oh you know, a, a slow bumbling talker. <laughs> <laughs> she was I got her tits caught in the mangle. <laughs> Mine goes a bit more Michael Caine. Yeah, I was going to say, that wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrible at impressions, but I don't know what yours was. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't wasn't one of my best. But yeah, just just having an opinion doesn't make you right, unfortunately. Unless, of course, you have a podcast. (laughs) Or it goes up on it and... uh through it all together yeah because everything that goes up on through it all together is completely and utterly correct uh i i saw the stats for as clicks and stuff the other day and there was an article that had gone up on there years ago that had got a few clicks because of the cowley brothers getting Huddersfield job and it was an article about how the how leeds should get in the cowley brothers and then we got barcelo vielsa (laughs) ah that's good so you know basically the Cowley brothers of a manager Marcelo Bielsa could have been. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, right, we will have to get going because we need to do stuff. And my fiance is sat in the other room. So And Jack's starving to death. Yeah, and if she don't cook me something right now <laughs> as she fucking sticks fingers up at me. <laughs> right. <a> recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, that'll do us. I've been Jack, see ya. I've been Casey, have a good one. In a bit. Mm-hmm.